want to turn your attention back to Psalm 112, and there are three verses we will read again together. Psalm 112, and the verse 1, the verse 7, and verse 8. The Word of God says, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Verse 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word this evening. Let us unite together in prayer and let us ask for uh, the Lord's help. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we do thank thee this evening that we can meet here in thy presence. We thank thee for what uh, we have sang together. Father, may it be not merely words that have come from our lips, but words from our hearts, that we would desire that close walk with Thee, that closer walk with Thee, our God. And Father, we pray that as we turn to Thy Word this evening, that Thou would be pleased to work within our hearts and enable us to be closer to Thee. And Father, we pray that our hearts would be drawn closer to our Savior. We would rejoice more in Him. We would love Him more. We would serve Him more. We would delight in Him more. And Father, we pray for those who cannot delight in Christ, for the heart is not inclined toward the Savior, that tonight, Father, Thou would be pleased to change their heart, to incline it toward Christ, that they too would delight in the lovely Son of God. And Father, give us help as we come to Thy Word. We need Thy help. Oh, how distracting sometimes the preaching of the Word can be. Our minds can wander. Our thoughts can be fixed on other things. Something can happen in the service that distracts from the Word of God. Something outside, Father, we pray that Thou would close us in with Thyself. And may our focus be upon Thy truth and upon Thy message, and may Thy Spirit work within our hearts. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the Puritan preacher Isaac Ambrose spoke truth about the heart of man. And when he said and when he wrote that the heart, this of all foes, is the most crafty. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, quoting the Scriptures. He says, Then keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Again, quoting the Scriptures, he said, Indeed, the heart is the chief monarch of this little world, man which rules and commands all other parts. It is the main wheel of the machine which sets all the rest of the wheels going. It is the fountain of our thoughts, 
our words and our actions. As the heart is, he said, so is the whole man. And that description of the heart is also what we see in Scripture, for the Word of God has much to say about the heart of man, speaking about the seat of our affections, not the physical organ that uh, pumps blood around our bodies, but the seat of our affections, our hearts. In Jeremiah 17, we have what Ambrose just quoted, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. In Psalm 26 that we read together at the start of this service, verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, the psalmist said, and prove me, try my reins and my heart. The Lord sees our hearts. The Lord can penetrate our hearts. When we think of what Jeremiah said about the Lord searching the heart, the word in the Hebrew can mean that penetration. The Lord sees through. He sees the heart. No man can see the heart. No man can view what we are thinking, of where our heart really stands in this world. But the Lord does, and He knows that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. And that is something that we don't want to consider. It is a tough and a painful and a sharp truth that is contained in the Word of God, that God sees our heart no matter how well we hide it from others, no matter how well we keep those feelings to ourselves and we try to hide that outward expression of our heart. Yet how often those feelings do freely express themselves through acts and words and thoughts of sin. But God sees. He searches. He penetrates the heart. And there is no escaping that particular truth this evening. The Lord knows our hearts. In Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord could see that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord saw the hearts of men at the time of Noah. How true is that saying of the Puritan? Fear and mistrust of our false hearts is painful, but seeth. Painful, but seeth. And when we think of our heart, we don't want to think of it being deceitful. We don't want to think of it being desperately wicked. But the fear of that, the mistrust of our false heart, because it is deceitful, it hurts, but it is safe. It is safe. Where does your heart stand tonight? Is it a heart that is against God? A heart that lives in rebellion to Him? Or is it a heart that loves the Lord? And the Psalms speak much about the heart of man. But I want to draw your attention to what we have in Psalm 112. It is a psalm in which the psalmist describes the blessedness of the godly man and the demise of the ungodly man. And verse 1 and uh, verse number 5 as well, uh, set the scene for verses 7 and 8. For we see a godly man, we see an upright man, we see in verse 5 a good man, and this is the man who loves the Lord. A man who loves the Lord with all his heart. A man who is fixed upon the Lord. Why is he good? The Word of God tells us no man is good. He is only good because of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. 
the redemption of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, imputed to him and received by faith alone. And the same is true tonight of all of us. For the Scripture says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And that's what the Scripture says about mankind in general. None that doeth good, but because of Christ redeemed sinners are good and upright. Can you say that tonight? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. As we see in verse 1, you're blessed. Because of Christ, you're upright. Because of Christ, you are good. God looks upon the heart, and despite you, despite your sin, despite your iniquity, despite your rebellion against God, He sees you hidden in Christ. His divine gaze penetrates the depths of your heart. He sees a child that has been redeemed by him. He sees a heart that has been changed by the power of the gospel. And it is that very redeemed and ransomed heart that we have in view in the psalm. The heart, dear sinner, that Christ can give you through his gospel. The heart, dear believer, that must be your heart by the Lord's grace and power. David Dixon, the Puritan, or the Scottish Puritan, to use that term, said that this psalm is a praising of God for blessing believers. And the whole psalm proveth that the believer is blessed. And how true that is. Here we see, not only with Psalm 1, the blessed man, but in Psalm 112, we see the blessed man. A man blessed by God, a man whose heart is set right with God. Tonight, I want us to consider the subject, assessing our heart. Assessing our heart. And firstly, I want you to notice with me that we must have a heart that fears God. We must have a heart that fears God. Verse 1 directs our attention to that. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. But in verse 7, we see those words as well. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Verse 8 as well. He shall not be afraid. The one who is good and upright and godly will not be afraid. And as a result of the fall of man, there are many things in this world that people fear today. The actions of other men are to be feared. Such heinous crimes like murder... The evil, defaming speech of some is to be feared. The sins of this world are to be feared. Men fear poverty, disease, despair, death. The Word of God tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment, and men fear what is to come. Is it the end? Is it the beginning of eternity, as Scripture says? Shakespeare's Hamlet it says the following while contemplating about his looming death. He speaks about the dread of something after death, the fear of something after death, the undiscovered country. Of course, maybe if we were to comment on Shakespeare's theology, death is not the undiscovered country, for we know what comes. But if you're outside of Christ, if you have no hope of salvation, there is fear, there is dread of something after death, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. 
And oh, how man can fear death. Man knows what it is to fear, but the godly man is to be different. Why? If you look at verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord, trusting in Jehovah, the self-existent eternal God, the infinite God, the unchangeable God. That is where the trust of the good man is found. His heart is right with God, and therefore he will not fear these evil tidings, but he has a different kind of fear. And contrasted in verse 7, the fear of evil tidings, as we've mentioned in verse 1, there is this man that feareth the Lord. And this is the kind of fear that those who are upright ought to have. Our hearts must be hearts that fear the God of heaven. And the man who fears the Lord is a blessed man. A blessed man. This is not, in verse 1, a fear like we have of hearing a noise late at night, or a terrible fear of something in this world. This is not the fear of evil tidings. This is not the fear of an enemy. It is a reverent fear, a respectful fear, a holy fear, a fear that we ought to have toward the God of heaven. One of the Puritans said, to fear God is to have the awe of God abiding upon your heart, to be under a sense of His majesty and His glory, shining forth in all His attributes, the glory of His holiness, and the sense of such an holy eye upon the soul strikes it with dread. This is expressed in the Scripture by sanctifying the Lord in the heart. He quotes Isaiah 8 verse 13, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. Dear believer, do we fear the Lord? Do we have that sense of His holy eye upon our soul? Oh, if we fear the Lord, and we looked at that in, in that context, the Lord's eye upon our soul, and the Lord's eye is always upon our souls. Whether we are His people or not, He penetrates, He sees, He knows. Oh, if we had such a knowledge of that, if we thought about that, how different would we act? How different would we live if we took that seriously, that God sees us? Oh, the fear of man, man seeing us. But what about the fear of God seeing us? Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. The man who fears the Lord will delight in his commandments. Verse 1, the blessed man that feareth the Lord delighteth greatly in his commandments. William Plumer said, a little love to God's commandments is not enough. We must delight in them, or else our arrogant and our domineering lusts will carry us away. We must delight in them. A little love is not enough. We must delight in them. We must delight in obeying them. We must live for them. Who does your heart fear this evening? Is there a holy, reverent fear for God as you delight in His commandments? Oh, the believer is to have such a heart as this, a heart that fears the God of heaven. Is there a fear of the Lord, or is there that terrible, paralyzing fear of man? Again, the Puritan William Colonel 
who penned that work, preached that work in the Christian armor, he said, we fear man so much. And is that not true? We fear man so much. And he says, why? Because we fear God so little. We fear man so much because we fear God so little. One fear cures another. Oh, we can fear man. We can fear friends. We can fear family. Dear unbeliever, you can fear being a Christian because of the mockery of this world and the rejection of this world. But does your heart fear those things instead of fearing God and fearing His wrath for sin? Does your heart in rejecting the gospel of Christ for the fear of man then fear man more than the holy and pure God of heaven. The Savior said in Luke 12, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. There is this fear of God, sinner, that you must have that God is in control of this world, that God is in control of your breath. Ecclesiastes tells us there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. And God knows the time of your birth. You may even know the time of your birth. But only God knows the date of your death and the time of your death. Oh, that you would fear him who has the power to cast those who are outside of him who've rejected his Son into everlasting hell. Oh, fear the Lord, the one who will judge you for your sin. Fear the Lord who has the power to cast into hell the first step in assessing your own heart. And where your heart stands is to fear the God of heaven and for that fear to you to be used to draw you to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you fear him? Do you love him? Where is your heart this evening? Dear believer, in Psalm 34, in the verse 11, we read, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Is that not what we need to be taught? The fear of God. Oh, how it's treated lightly today. Oh, how many live without any true fear of God. And as I've said, if we truly fear the Lord, how different we would live, how different we would act. Dear believer, the way to be a godly man, a woman, a godly young person is to fear the Lord with all your heart. It's a blessed thing. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His commandments are not a snare or shackles to him. His commandments are that which we greatly delight in because as we obey them, we bring glory to his name. The book of Proverbs says much about the fear of the Lord. It says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place of refuge. Again, Proverbs 14, that same chapter as we just quoted from, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. The next chapter, chapter 15, verse 16 says, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. 
by mercy and truth in Proverbs 16, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Proverbs 23, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. And what is hey, the book of Proverbs telling us? A book of wise sayings. A book of inspired wise sayings. What is being taught here? The fear of the Lord is a blessed thing to us. We're to desire to truly fear God. There is that place of refuge. There's a fountain of life. If we truly fear the Lord, we depart from evil. We flee evil. Oh, don't envy sinners, the proverb said, but fear the Lord all the day long. And dear believer, if you truly fear the Lord, what a blessed, blessed heart you'll have. A heart that will flee sin by the grace of God. A heart that will love the Lord. A heart that will delight in His commandments. John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress describes an encounter the Christian had with Hopeful. And Hopeful spoke about fear to Christian and said, I do believe, as you say, that fear tends much to men's good and to make them ride at the beginning to go on pilgrimage. And Christian replied, Without all doubt it doth, if it be right. For so says the word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hopeful said, How will you describe right fear? And Christian said, True or right fear is discovered by three things. By its rise, it is caused by saving convictions for sin. Secondly, he said, it drives the soul to lay fast of Christ, to lay fast hold of Christ for salvation. And third, it begats and continues in the soul a great reverence for God, His Word, His ways, keeping it tender, making it afraid to turn from them to the right hand or to the left, to anything that may dishonor Him, break its peace, grieve the Spirit." or cause the enemy to speak reproachfully. Oh, how true that is, that you would know the fear of the Lord, that fear that drives you to lay hold of Christ for salvation, that fear that creates in your soul and heart, that reverence, as Bunyan said, for God, for His Word, for His ways, keeping your heart tender and keeping you from turning to the left, to the right to dishonor your God. Oh, that we would honor Him. Oh, that we would live for Him. And how do we do that? We have a heart that fears Him, that fears Him. And oh, if our heart fears God and truly fears God, our interactions with the Lord's people will be godly interactions. Our interactions with the Lord and with His worship and in His ways and with His commandments and in service to Him will be godly. Oh, that we would fear the Lord. May we, by God's gracious help, keep our hearts pure and tender in the fear of the Lord. But secondly, I want you to see that in assessing our heart, we must have a heart that is focused on God. We must have a heart that is focused on God. In verse 7, it says, There he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And the focus of the God-fearing man is not upon the things of this world, namely the evil tidings, 
but his trust is in the Lord. And the word evil here can refer to adversity or affliction, another negative that comes upon us, and how easy it is to focus upon the negatives of others and in society and in government and in the church of Christ and how Satan can use the negatives to discourage us. But dear believer, our focus is to be upon the Lord. Our trust is to be placed in Him. Yes, there are things happening around us that will discourage us, but let us not focus on those things, but keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The wicked are often dismayed at tragedies that take place. Often fear strikes them at their hearts. The child of God is not immune to bad news to tribulations, to sorrows. But yet the child of God is one whose heart is fixed and he trusts the Lord. His peace, his help, his refuge is his God. Dear believer, where does our heart lie concerning this? Are we battered by the things of this world? Are we battered by the headlines that we read on the news of disaster after disaster, murder after murder, sin after sin that we see in society? But are we looking above those things to the God of heaven who is in control, trusting Him, trusting Him? Dear believer, if we trust the Lord, we will not be afraid of evil tidings. It can refer to the speech and actions of this world that are against the God-fearing man, words that can be spiteful, words that can hurt, words that can cause distress and persecution. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read, so that we may boldly say, and the writer, I believe to be Paul, is summarizing what he's saying, but he says, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And if we look at, at verse 7 of Psalm 112, we can see these two verses are, are very similar in what they're saying. The psalmist is saying he's not afraid of evil tidings. This godly man is not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. He's looking to the Lord. And Paul in Hebrew says, The Lord is my helper. Therefore, whatever comes my way, evil tidings, man, whatever it is, I will not fear. I will not fear. And oh, in his life and service to the Lord, he faced much that would make us fear. But yet he knew the hand of God upon him. Dear believer, where is our focus in life? Are we trusting Christ? Are we trusting the Lord? Are we trusting the Lord in the circumstances of life? Is our heart in tune with our Master? The Puritan uh, preacher, uh, John F. Lavelle, suffered greatly in his life. His first wife died in childbirth, I believe. Uh, the infant, the baby, died as well. He also uh, lost uh, two other wives over the years as well. He wasn't married to them all at the same time, obviously, but he remarried as time went on, and these wives uh, passed away. Many in those days uh, faced uh, those tragic circumstances. Uh, John Flavel was not the only preacher who suffered in this way. 
he was ejected from his pulpit for nonconformity to the Church of England, to the Book of Common Prayer in 1662. It's said that he then began to preach secretly. It is said that on one occasion he plunged his horse into the sea to escape arrest. He was close to arrest on number, a number of other occasions. The Scottish Covenanters were God-fearing men. They suffered for the cause of Christ. The Reformers did as well, but these men were not afraid of the evil tidings because they were trusting the Lord. We think of those Reformers. We uh, perhaps mentioned Tyndale this morning in the adult Bible class. William Tyndale lost his life because he desired the men and women of England to have the Word of God in the English language. And he lost his life because of it. And as he was tied to that stake, as he, he was burnt, as he lost his life, we can think of that verse, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And how many passed like that, trusting God in the face of those circumstances. Dear believer, whatever circumstance you face in life, may your heart be focused on the Lord. Not focused on the evil tidings, not focused on the negatives of this world or what this world may do, Look to Him. Look to the Savior. When the disciples in John chapter 14, and our brother read this this morning, the Savior said to them, Let not your heart be troubled. And obviously, then the Savior, seeing the hearts of His disciples, knowing their hearts, saw the trouble that they had with what he had said in chapter 13. And what does the Savior say? He focuses their attention on him. He focuses their attention on the place he's going to prepare. He focuses their attention, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Their discouragements and their dismay at their master departing should not trouble their hearts, is what the Savior is saying, because of where the Savior is going and what the Savior is preparing for them. He's going to the cross. He's going to prepare everlasting life for His people. That's a great comfort, and they were to focus upon the Savior. And dear believer, in our distresses, let us focus on Christ. Let us trust in Him. And then thirdly, I want you to see that we must have a heart that is fixed on God. A heart that is fixed on God. This is similar to what we've just said, but I want to emphasize what verse 7 says. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings, trusting in the Lord. But that middle phrase, his heart is fixed. Not only is this a heart that fears the Lord and is focused upon the Lord, but it's a heart that is fixed upon God. And how are our hearts to be fixed upon God? Again, through Christ, through His salvation, through His redemption. Oh, is your heart fixed on God? Is your heart fixed upon the Savior? As we've emphasized already, assessing our hearts. Yes, we as believers are to assess our hearts, but you who know not Christ, assess your heart. Do you fear Christ? Do you fear the Lord? 
Are you focused upon him? Is your heart fixed on him? And if you never bowed the knee and repented of sin and looked to Christ, your heart is not fixed upon him. But here the psalmist is speaking of this godly man whose heart has a firm and a strong foundation. And in the adult Bible class, when we've been speaking about the Word of God, we've been emphasizing the Word of God has that strong foundation. The Word of God uh, is uh, that Word that is sure and can be trusted. We've thought about the sufficiency of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture. In other words, Scripture is given by God. It is sure and steadfast. It cannot be changed. We can depend upon it. And when we look at what Scripture tells us about the Savior, Scripture can be trusted. And Scripture tells us that those who trust in Christ will never perish. Those who rest upon Him will have that peace, will have that everlasting life. Those who fix their hearts upon Christ, those who fix their hearts upon the Lord, are not fixing their hearts to something that will break and something that will shatter, but something that is secure. Something that is secure. How often, perhaps, maybe you've tried to fix a screw to a wall to tie something down, and you've realized that, well, that's not really the kind of wall you want to screw something in, uh, because uh, the wall is left with a big gaping hole because it couldn't carry the weight. I'm not saying whether I know that from experience or not. Uh, I didn't do that uh, to where we currently live. Uh, I may have done that somewhere in the past, and I realized that, well, that's not, that's not how you do things. And so, uh, I've took more care uh, since then, and uh, there was this, this hole almost in the wall uh, where something was too heavy. And when we think of that in our hearts, we're not fixing our hearts to something that will shatter or break like that. We're fixing our hearts to something that is firm and something that is secure, that in all the trials of life, in all the difficulties we face, in that greatest difficulty— for many, death and crossing over the valley of death, crossing over that river of death where there is much fear. Our heart is fixed, and that fear of death will not shatter our heart because it is fixed upon God. Fixed upon God. Oh, the fear that we can have, but yet the heart that is fixed upon the Lord. Dear unbeliever, your heart, if you know not Christ as Savior, is not fixed on Him. Is it fixed upon sin? Is it fixed upon this world? Because Hebrews 11 tells us Moses rejected this. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to what the Word of God says, enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And that word season is very important. The pleasures of sin last but for a season. Not only do the pleasures themselves one day end because this world will end and be judged by God, but how often those pleasures last for a moment. And then you need to replace them and replace them again and again and again. 
Oh, the thrill of this world lasts for a moment. Then it gets boring, then it gets old, and you need something else. The pleasures of sin, they last for a season. This world will pass away, and so will those whose hearts are fixed on those very things. But the God-fearing man has his heart fixed upon something and someone who will never pass away. One who is eternal, one who is the Savior of sinners, and the man whose heart is fixed will never fear evil tidings because of whom his heart is fixed upon. Verse 6 tells us, surely he shall not be moved forever. Verse 7 tells us his heart is fixed. Verse 8 tells us his heart is established. In Psalm 57, verse 7, we read uh, those words. We'll turn to that psalm, and we'll see what it says. Psalm 57, verse 7, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Oh, how comforting that is for him to know that whatever happens in life, his heart is fixed to Christ. My heart is fixed. And in case you didn't get it the first time, he says it again, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed, and therefore he will sing and give praise. And dear believer, we're to give praise to God for what he's done for us. We're to praise God because our hearts are fixed to the Savior. We're to praise God because our heart is attached to one who is immovable, one who will not perish, one who will not die, one who will not pass away, one who is our great mediator, and our intercessor. William Plumer said, He is a rock, and trust in him gives stability and quiet when nothing else will. Oh, the great journey at the end of our lives that is death. But if you have not that fixed heart upon the Lord, upon the Savior, how fearful that will be the judgment seat of Christ, the words of the Savior. Whether you lived a wicked life and are cast into hell for all eternity, or you tried to be good and tried to live godly, but you know not Christ, the Savior says, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, where is your heart? Is it a heart that will perish for you know not Christ and it is not fixed upon him? Or is it a heart that is resting completely and rejoicing and praising in the Savior. And then finally, I want you to see that we must have a heart that is faithful towards God. We must have a heart that is faithful towards God. The heart of the God-fearing man was fixed upon the Lord. And how can this heart be fixed upon the Lord? It's because he trusts in the Lord for salvation. There's faith here. He has a heart that is faithful he fears the Lord. He's focused upon Him. He's fixed upon Him. And He's faithful to His God. Oh, do you have faith toward the Savior? Faith in the one whose incorruptible blood purchased salvation. Faith and trust in Him. 
faith. How marvelous it is. Faith, that gift of God. A faithful heart. Oh, dear believer, when we think of a faithful heart, who had the most faithful heart? It's the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ. And when we think of the Savior there upon Calvary, years, centuries, 2,000 years before we were born, the Savior there upon Calvary was faithful to his people, faithful to us. He did not flinch in the face of death. He gave up his life and he suffered for you and for me. He was faithful toward us. His heart was faithful toward his people, his elect people that he would redeem. Is our heart faithful toward him, not merely for salvation, but faithful in all things? When we think of the fear of God and serving Him and living for the Lord out of that godly reverence and fear, are we faithful toward Christ? Are we living our lives pleasing to Christ? Are we faithful in keeping the commandments of Christ? Are we faithful in serving Christ? Are we faithful in witnessing of Christ to others? Whatever we face in life, does it affect our faithfulness to Him? The man or woman who is faithful to the Lord will honor and keep His commandments. The heart that is fixed, the heart that is focused, the heart that is fearful toward the Lord will be a heart that is faithful to Christ. Oh, how this world needs those whose hearts are exactly like that. Fearful hearts, focused hearts, fixed hearts, faithful hearts. Oh, we said about the Reformers how faithful they were in giving their lives for Christ. Dear believer, how faithful are you to Christ? If we think of what happened to many of the Reformers, when we think of the abuse that many have taken for the cause of Christ, Are we hesitant about being too faithful? Are we hesitant about what others would think? Are we then fearing the evil tidings instead of being fixed upon the Lord? As we assess our hearts by the help of the Lord, the Lord who himself examines our hearts and sees our hearts, May we have a heart that fears him, a heart that is focused on him, a heart that is fixed on him, a heart that whatever comes our way is faithful to the Lord, remembering that on Calvary he was faithful to us. The hymn writer said, Jesus, thou hast bought us, not with gold or gem, but with thine own lifeblood for thy diadem. With thy blessing filling every, with thy blessing filling each who comes to thee, Thou hast made us willing, thou hast made us free. By thy great redemption, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Are you on the Lord's side?
Do you belong to Christ? We are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Let us do so with hearts that are right toward him, hearts that are fixed, not fearing this, fearing this world, but boldly and fearlessly serving our Savior. May the Lord bless his word tonight for his name's sake. Amen. And let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy grace tonight. We thank thee for thy word. And oh, when we think of the psalmist and what he said here, how blessed it is. Oh, how many great things are in this psalm, and we've only really focused upon the heart. But oh, how important our hearts are. And Father, we pray that thou would deal with our hearts tonight in grace and love. Father, if there be that sin that hinders our relationship with thee, Father, if there be that fear uh, that comes above and beyond our fear of Thee, if there be a lack of faith in Thee, Father, we pray that Thou would correct us by Thy grace. Refresh us, we pray. Do you remember those outside of Christ, those cold at heart? Oh, God, speak to them. Draw their hearts to Thee that they may be fixed upon thee. Father, we pray that thou would be pleased now to part us with thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety, we pray. May the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet fellowship and communion of God the Holy Ghost rest, remain, and abide with us, both now and forevermore. Amen.